You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. And Maddie Rose. If only I could be blacked out in a hotel conference room right now <laughs> with hundred of my closest CFL fans. Love it. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio at the bottom of the hour of the franchise. Eric Francis, Flames reporter for Sportsnet, will join us. Talk about Oliver Shillington making his return to Flames practice yesterday. Jacob Markstrom was there too. Flames and Blues tonight down at the Dome. And at 8 o'clock, uh, Matt Marchese, the producer of the Jeff Merrick Show. And you hear him on the Fan Checkdown. He'll join us at the top of the next hour. But right now, he is the host of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. He is a Stanley Cup champion. We welcome in Nick Kiprios on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar. Guest hotline. Kipper, good morning. How are you? I'm good, guys. Good morning. Good. Um, wanted to uh, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, just quickly here before we talk a lot of Calgary Flames. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, Kipper, they get a lead after two periods. Might as well not even show up for the third with Thatcher Demko and that. Like what? What a turnaround this has been in Vancouver from a team that was doing the the Bruce. There it is, and it felt felt like the entire organization was in complete and total disarray, and then. Rick Tockett gets behind the bench and all of a sudden Kipper number one in the Western conference. Yeah, there's uh no question. There's a dozen teams right now cursing Jimmy Rutherford and Rick Tockett uh, <laughs> for, for being uh, so good at turning something around so quickly because now every fan base out there is going, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Three year program, five year program rebuild. No, Give us, uh, give us the Vancouver Canuck turnaround, uh, and I'll include Calgary in that. I'll include the Toronto Maple Leafs in that. Uh, I'll include almost every other team out there that uh, at times is struggling or have a, a frustrated fan base that, that this is quite possible, uh, especially when you have key pieces already in your lineup that uh, are underachieving and Rick Tockett's done an incredible job of squeezing more out of every player, including his stars. Uh, Quinn Hughes has gone to another level. Uh, JT Miller has gone to another level and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible turnaround in such a short period of time. What happened to JT Miller? Like the attitude was like, oh, the, 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 the dressing room's divided. There's a JT Miller side and there's not a JT Miller side. And then all of a sudden he wants to get dealt. He doesn't want to be there anymore. And then all of a sudden he's had a fantastic season with the Canucks. What do you think changed? Yeah. Rick Tockett. Okay. That's just a, a guy that can continually tell him the same message over and over again from the moment he arrived. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to relieve uh, Bruce Boudreaux. And when you have a guy that uh, you can uh, put in a position where he can influence, right, change and influence uh, these these young players, and some of them may be stuck in their ways. And I think for the most part, you know, no one ever questioned JT Miller and what kind of player he could be. I mean, he has it all, the skating, the shot, uh, the toughness, everything. But could he put it together? Were there times when he got in his own way? Yes. And I think a guy like Rick Tockett, who's lived it 
and in many ways probably mirrored the similar type of player uh, as JT Miller, a guy that could mm-hmm. contribute to a team in so many different ways. And you know, now that fighting's all but gone out of our league, uh, he doesn't even have uh, JT Miller doesn't even have that to kind of throw in every once in a while, like Rick Tockett did. And Rick battled some of the toughest, meanest guys to ever play our game. Uh, but I, I think it's just it's it's a way that Rick Tockett can communicate to these guys. And yeah, at times, uh, JT Miller appeared to be a guy that uh, was selfish or thought of himself. And and Rick Tockett's been able to to steer him in the right direction. I'm I'm a huge JT Miller fan right now. Um, uh, to me, the Canucks are like that that Larry David meme. Uh, Nick, we're like, uh, I don't know. Like, you hear what Bruce Boudreau said, and and they deserve all the flowers they're getting right now for the incredible season they have. And then you hear Bruce Boudreau uh, last week saying that they asked him to play Quinn Hughes at center. Like, I don't know what to believe, and if that's the case, who the hell made that decision? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, but uh, that's only for Bruce to to answer or or anyone else on on that side. But at the end of the day, it, I, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is that uh uh they didn't need him to go to center uh he's doing very well uh <laughs> hunting a norris trophy this season uh, at at the position that uh, i'm sure he loves best uh but the, the whole thing from top to bottom looks fairly solid and you know we heard kevin bx saturday night saying pump the brakes on on the talk about winning the stanley cup and and kelly saying maybe they need to lose a round or two first to learn uh, what it takes to, to win in the playoffs. And, and all of that's valid, but you know what else is valid is if not the Vancouver Canucks, then who we can look down and we could pick six or seven teams. This thing is wide open. And that's the one thing that I will say about the Vancouver Canucks is not, not why not they win the, the Stanley Cup, but uh, or, or why they they should win the Stanley Cup, but why not? Um, you look at this, the constant struggles right now in, in Vegas, and Edmonton's had a heck of a turnover, and I put them in that same group that, uh, you know, don't ask why, ask why not. Uh, outside of that, uh, Florida, Boston, uh, Colorado, they're all in the same boat. They all got some some serious question marks on why they shouldn't win, but somebody's got to win this thing this year. And I think the Vancouver Canucks are right there uh, with everybody uh, who was considered uh, a, a top team, if if not a favorite. Nick, we're expecting Jacob Markstrom to uh, return this week, if not tonight, against the St. Louis Blues. And we were just looking ahead, and, and his numbers against the Blues aren't great in his career. He's made 14 starts. He's 4-8-2, a 2-9-3 goals against an 8-90 save percentage. Is there anything to certain numbers against certain teams? Did you ever feel that way when you were playing, that there were certain groups that you always struggled against, no matter what the makeup of your team was or what their team was? Was there anything to that, or, or are we kind of reading into the numbers a little bit too much here? Well, first of all, the role that I played, uh, you're, you weren't allowed to feel that way on against anybody. So you were just uh, happy to be in the lineup, happy to be contributing. And if uh, 
if you weren't in, uh, it had a lot to do with the coach wanting to have a different look than than probably your success against it. And for the most part, I, I believe that for for shooters. Now, goaltenders, it could be a, a little bit different of a feel, Ed. It's a lot more noticeable on teams that you own or teams that you struggle with. So uh, that's more of a, a head thing than anything else when it comes to uh, uh, goaltenders. Um, and you know, if he if he feels like he can't get the job done against St. Louis, I'm sure it's been noted. Hmm. But I can't see him for one second saying, uh, uh, you know, maybe I should skip this game if uh, hmm. if if I can. That that's not the way this guy competes, and I very seldom would ever feel that way on any other goaltender I've ever played with. They they want to get in there. They want to they want to turn it around. I mean, he would love nothing more than to play and and, and pitch a shutout tonight. So, uh, you know, he's for the most part, uh, I think he's had a, a good turnaround. Uh, has he created uh, a marketplace out there for him now? If in fact the Flames do decide to to talk to him about a, a potential move and we'll see where it goes but uh they are on the outside looking in which leaves everything wide open on on what direction uh Craig Conway wants to go the other story was the return of Oliver Shillington uh it's not necessarily a, a normal injury that's kept him out for a couple of months here it's been a 20 month uh, kind of absence from the Calgary Flames around the team a little bit this year but what do you think that means to a group when you have a player returning, and it's someone who's got an affable personality like Oliver Shillington. I think it can be nothing but positive uh, to be in a in an environment like a, a dressing room, a, a hockey team. Uh, we're well aware of issues, maybe not the details, but certainly the issues and at times the struggles. For a guy to be away that long and then come into the room, it, to me is. Uh, a breath of fresh air for for 20 other guys you know 21 other guys on the roster and i think it's nothing but positive and you want to be supportive and what can we do to help you and much like a a struggling goaltender that that you know that is playing tonight you want to insulate him you want to support him better you're aware of of, of certain things um so you're you're more conscientious and i i think it'll be similar you know for for oliver going into that uh environment once again and you know like it's family um outside of your family it is your family if you if you get my vibe on that so they're going to do everything they can to be supportive and 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 protective uh so it's the easiest transition you can ever make for being out so long Nick Kiprios, the host of Real Kipper and Board on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, Kipper, how much should Flames fans hate the fact that Corey Perry went to the Oilers? <laughs> well, I, well, well, we'll see just how quickly it takes Corey Perry. Uh, there's another guy, not, not 20 months, but two months off. And uh, I think for the most part, it'll be just a scenario where he's acclimated and uh, feels like he can get ready and, and have a strong push uh, towards the latter part of the season and certainly be ready for a uh, uh, first round of the playoffs. But th- th- it, there's no question that uh, Flame fans are watching the Edmonton Oilers now go to another level. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Flame fans don't know 
entirely what level what level they're at right now or or where they're heading in the next uh, year or two that'll be decided i i would imagine uh through the the pro scout uh, meetings uh that just went on uh they'll have a better idea of what kind of uh trade deadline they're going to have or what their goals are and probably uh it's a lot longer term than than what the oilers are thinking about today so yeah anytime it's it's a tough pill i guess for flame fans to watch uh uh you know their their number one rival uh look uh, stronger better uh and uh right now i I think because the clubs are at different places then uh, the the fan base has got to be a little bit more patient here moving forward just uh, focus on your team right now (laughs) don't 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 look up the street um, I know that obviously the Oilers' uh, record uh, winning streak here, absolutely scorching hot under the new head coach. No question about that. They look like an absolute juggernaut right now. But it is January, Nick. And and again, I I don't believe in that blue line. And can their goaltending hold up? Obviously, like if McDavid and Dreisaitl, especially Dreisaitl, the way he was back-checking in that game against the Flames on Saturday night, if they're completely dedicated to the defensive side of the puck, I guess they can maybe mask some of those deficiencies on the blue line. But how much do you believe in the Oilers? Do you think, you know, these things won't come to roost come playoff time? Because as of today, right now, I love the Corey Perry signing. It addresses an issue on the bottom six, and that's been a big-time weak spot on this team. But at the same time, their blue line probably still isn't good enough either, Nick. Like, are they, you know, the the team to beat right now in 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 the Western Conference in the NHL? Well, I think again, if if we look at it in a bigger picture, uh, George, we're, we're looking at teams with various uh, warts in the West, and you just named one uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, um, and. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a question. It's a big question on, on particularly where Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard are because they did have horrific starts, where every decision they made was the wrong one. Now Paul Coffey's come in there and he's calmed the nerves down. Uh, he's stressed less about mistakes and and focused more on what you're good at, and he's been able to emphasize that uh we need more of the good stuff and 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 less of the bad stuff and it's worked so far but we know evan bouchard will never win a norris we know he'll never uh be a a a great defender in his own zone but he can score 60 points and he's got a bomb of a shot back there and darnell's picked his spots a lot better um that uh uh, de-emphasized the earlier mistakes so I think, I think right now they're 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 solid back there. But to your point, when the stakes get higher, when the pressure really starts to mound, uh, we have to see uh, how this blue line holds up. And Skinner looks like you don't need to go out there and trade for a, a goalie right now. But like a lot of hockey clubs, you're going to roll the dice with them. It just appears that uh, it's it's go Skinner or go home right now. And at times you can look last season and, you know, wonder the same thing for, you know, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights and, and 
uh, Hill and 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 be in a position where we sat there prior to that. Go, is that guy a Stanley Cup champion goalie? Really, you're gonna take your chances on that? But that's that new NHL. So uh, they, they, you can look in the Western Conference, and you can also say that uh, you know Vancouver still needs a top six forward to really, I think, emphasize that uh, they're the real deal. And we can go down the list here. So uh, again. I'll go back to my earlier points. It, uh, it's wide open. Uh, you know, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas. Dallas doesn't feel like they're they're good enough on the blue line, so they're going to push real hard, and we'll see where they end up. But uh, we can go down a list, a laundry list of teams that uh, we have every reason could contend for a Stanley Cup but won't win. And Edmonton still is, to your point, one of those teams that we can look at and honestly say, yeah, but. But uh, right. that's what probably makes following the league so intriguing right now. Uh, can I get a hot takey with you right now? And I, I don't, I don't want to radio you, but I have to ask you this question right now because I can't fight Satan this morning, Nick. <laughs> Out of the Leafs, Oilers, Canucks, and Jets, who's the biggest fraud? Oh gosh, um, yeah. Who's the weakest out of everybody? Yeah, <laughs> fraud. That's a nicer now, way are, to put it. You, yeah. you, you are, you are I trying told... to get me in trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> the the team that is that has the biggest imbalance for me is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, and this goes back uh, the last few years uh, where. Uh, it's 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 unconvincing uh, that uh, you can have you can have you know your forty plus million dollars in four forwards all in the uh, all all on the front lines uh, and and nothing in the in the back end outside of Morgan Riley. So uh, I hope that answers your question. It does. No, no, no. no. That, that's good. That was but perfectly executed. The is, way you dodged that grenade. Um, is 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 there a scenario where Austin Matthews scores like sixty five goals and the Leafs get knocked out in five games in round one? Nick, yeah. Listen, I, I go back to the last sixty five seventy goal scores in the league. I think it was Brett Hall and Timo Solani, and I'm pretty sure uh, the years that they did it, their teams weren't one of the top teams and I, I don't know how it played out, but I can assure you they did not win the Stanley cup that year. Hmm. So just because you have this top scorer that can score a goal a game does not mean instant success, uh, uh, you know, or you're destined for a Stanley cup final. So uh, there's a ton of work to do. Uh, there's just no way that, uh, that a goal a game guy uh, in the, in the NHL, uh, means that you're you're going to be one of the leaders uh, all season long, and I think the Leafs have proven that. Nick, what are your thoughts on the Penguins as well? Yesterday, they, they have an own goal in their game against the Arizona Coyotes. feel like we see one a year, and, and for the Penguins, it kind of encapsulates how January's gone for them, three, four, and two since the calendar turned, and, and there's talk of Jake Gensel maybe getting traded out to the Vancouver Canucks. What are you seeing from the Pittsburgh Penguins as a team that's five points out of a playoff spot right now? Uh, just defending. And I, I thought, uh, you know, the big question, of course, once you heard Eric Carlson's going is like, who's, who's going to defend? Who's, uh, he's, 
got no concept, you know, much like a, an Evan Bouchard. Sometimes you watch and you're like, what's he thinking out there? Uh, Eric Carlson's a wonderful talent who just likes going one way. And I think it's, it's not a real surprise that uh, they, they, they have struggled uh, coming out of the gate here. And it's only uh, the heroic uh, season that Sidney Crosby's having uh, that, uh, that they're still in the mix somewhat and watching Malkin and Latang put the puck in their own net on a delayed penalty for Arizona last night, kind of put a cherry on top of what kind of season they've had. You want to talk about having to make some tough decisions moving forward. And that's where Kyle Dubas is, but Kyle Dubas in Toronto doubled and tripled down. And I think he'll, he'll do the same thing here. And there's a lot of pressure on Kyle Dubas to to build a team that could still compete with Sidney Crosby on it today. So I, I don't think that they're they're going to try to calm things down by slowing down the process. I, I think he puts his foot on the pedal here, and if as long as you got Sidney Crosby, man, you got to feel like you got a chance. And I can't argue with that. I mean, he's an incredible talent at his age right now. What he's doing is still uh, remarkable. So. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what Kyle's got up his sleeve here moving forward. And got to get your thoughts on the return of Patrick Waugh as well. Back in the league, behind the bench. Great to see. I love him. I just love him. I love his attitude. I love the way he he doesn't let anybody relax. And we had a coach like that. We won the Cup in 94. And no matter where we were in the, the standings, which was predominantly in first overall because we'd won the the president's uh, trophy back then there's just no relaxing it was always coming to the the rink and feeling like you're you can't you can't let your guard down at all Patrick will do that and I think the experience that he's had the last six seven years in junior working with the kids and the success of a memorial cup now to come back and have that also in your back pocket besides the experience of winning a Jack Adams uh, in Colorado uh, years ago will make him that much of a better coach and uh, I, I think he just he, he changes the dynamics of that hockey club when 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 teams now play the Islanders and there's you know there's still the same Islanders and they're still uh, have their warts and uh, I don't guarantee that because Patrick was behind the bench they're going to make the playoffs this year but I can tell you they will have it they've they they now have a better chance than they ever did before uh, his arrival. Uh, that's how that's how intense he is. That's how that's how good he's going to be for that organization. Did did you have any inkling, Mick, or is this just a masterclass by Lou of keeping things under wraps? Oh no, he was he was on the radar uh, for a while now, and I told the guys on Real Kipper and Born when I had. Uh, when I had a horse in the race for ownership in Ottawa, I told my group, uh, if, if you, if, before the inks dry, if you sign off on buying the, uh, Ottawa senators, that guy, that guy's your new head coach. So, uh, it didn't happen and he's not in Ottawa, but, uh, he's back in the NHL and I think the league's better for it. Uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, he's a fiery dude, uh, behind the bench. Uh, Nick Kiprios, the host of real Kipper and born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. Thanks for putting up with my gotcha questions, Nick. Let's do it, <laughs> Let's do it again soon. 
Remember, I'm a professional. Yes. I can handle it. I do remember that. Thanks, pal. We'll do it All again right, soon. Guys. Have a great day. Nick Kiprios, great stuff. Stanley Cup champion on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Eric Francis, the franchise. Next, Oliver Shillington back at Flames practice yesterday. When is he expected to make his debut? Maybe Francis knows. Maybe he's got an inside track. Maybe he can give us a guesstimation. And we got to ask him, whatever the Nona Hannafin contract extension talks, what's the latest on that? Is that under wraps again? Mm. Is that quiet again? Mm. What's going on with that? Mm. And we'll find out what's irking him. We'll do that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The top of the hour, Matt Marchese, he is the producer of the Jeff Merrick Show, and he also hosts uh, the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So you want to talk some football, mix in some hockey too with him. We, I might ask him about this Ryan Reeves thing out, out in Toronto. He's hurt. Can't play. <laughs> Can't play. Yeah. Says cap friendly. That's fine. He's but hurt. Ryan Reeves says, I've been good for two weeks. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. It's never happened before in Toronto. That's <laughs> so weird. So crazy. So dude. crazy. Um, it's like it's different out there. Uh, it's a Flames game day. The Flames host the St. Louis Blues tonight as they continue their six game homestand to talk about that. And you uh, come so- into Toronto, you know what goes on. Yep. Um, and some really good news from Flames practice yesterday. Uh, the franchise on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Mr. Eric Francis. Sir, how are you? I'm good. I hadn't heard a Daryl drop in a long time. It kind of gave me PTSD, man. Like, wow. <laughs> I haven't heard that voice. That's funny. We we do miss his jokes, right? We do miss his, his quips. His, uh, anyway. Dry humor. How are you, boys? Work ethic. Dry humor. Consistency. Structure. Pace. Work. That goes on for like 30 seconds. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Do you need to to know what number um, Jacob Pelche was wearing? (laughs) I don't have that one. Okay. All right. Um, uh, From from that, from all that stuff from last season uh, to the positivity that was yesterday, at Flames practice. How nice was it to see Oliver Shillington on the ice with the big club? Yeah, that was a cool that was a cool day at the Dome yesterday. Like a, a day I won't forget because it I don't know, it was just so full of emotion. Like everyone's so happy to see this guy and 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 know that he's gone through a real, real hard time. Um I just thought it was I wasn't supposed to speak to the media because I, I think they're just trying their best to do whatever they can to shield him from anything that's uncomfortable or triggering or whatever the case may be. But I, I do believe it was kind of up to him. And he said, you know what? I feel good. I'll talk to the media. And uh, so it was kind of bonus to, to talk to him. And he was, he was on the verge of being quite emotional. His lip was quivering when he was answering his first questions and saying that he'd he, there was a time when he wondered if he'd ever be back here. And, uh, again, that just shows from the depths from which he's come, and it makes you all the prouder of him. And I, I don't know, I, I just – that was a really neat day yesterday. Yet mixed with the fact that 15 feet away from where he was talking to us, there was Dylan Dubé's empty stall mm. while it's been taken by someone else now. And, and then, you know, so that kind of looms. As one guy walks in the door, another one walks out and uh, – both because of the same sort of affliction, mental health. And, and tonight's, 
Uh, let's talk hockey, the mental health, you know, with a focus on mental health tonight at the Dome. So it all kind of comes together. And at the end of it all, guys, I think the one thing that kind of might resonate is the fact that, you know, this is a pretty classy organization when it comes to that stuff. Um, you know, the fact that two guys have had the courage to kind of stand up and say, I can't do this anymore. I need time to myself. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm putting a little Maybe it has nothing to do with the organization, but in both cases, I know in the Shillington case, this organization deserves a ton of credit for its patience, for its compassion, and the way they handled it. From Brad Treliving over to Craig Conroy, uh, I know Oliver's really um, quite thankful by how, how much patience the organization had. What, what should the expectation for Shillington be if you're a Flames fan now? Obviously, this was you know, the biggest hurdle, and you hope he continues to do incredibly well. But now he's back. He's back with the team. And now we can talk about better things, Eric. Like, how is he going to contribute to the lineup? How do you think he fits in in all of this now for the rest of the season? You know, if and when he's ready to come back. And uh, after talking to everyone yesterday, sure seems like it's going to be sooner rather than later. I, I thought they were really going to take their time on this. I, I still think it'll be at least a week. Um, but I was thinking it would still be, you know, two, three or four weeks before they'd let him come back but the way they see him skating and anyway when he does come back I I don't think there's any question yet you put him in as your third pairing defenseman that way there's not much pressure on him at all um you know obviously with these pending trades either with Hannafin and or Tanev out the door at the trade deadline he comes along at a real important time for the Flames to fill in that gap um but right for now you got a guy who's going to play in the third pairing uh, group. I don't think you'll see him on the power play anytime soon. I, I think ultimately that's where they're going to want him uh, on the second power play unit. But for now, uh, just get him assimilated, play probably some pretty um, minuscule minutes, meaning like maybe 10, 12 minutes a night at the beginning. Just get him acclimated. I mean, guys, it's 19 months since he played in the NHL. So mm. I, I think they want to really take them time and put him in a situation where he doesn't lose confidence and he's got to chance to succeed and I think that's in the third period I mean I, I just don't see who you'd bump out of the top top four anyway so it's a natural it, it works out well and uh, I hope we see it sooner rather than later because I think everyone's excited to see that speed back in the lineup he joked about it in the presser but can you confirm he can still shoot the puck <laughs> yeah I had posted a video I just decided to video him for maybe 25 seconds on this one drill that really showed off his speed and he finished it with a wicked snipe and the boys went wild, and so yeah, as you said, I didn't forget how to shoot. So, I, I he, again, to the the naked eye, he sure looks really good. But you know, the nuances of the game are the ones that the coaches can pick up and say, "Ah, he's still not ready for this or this." But yeah, that speed is what sticks out. The minute you see him on skates, you just go, yeah. "Wow, wow, he can skate." Now, he played a couple of games down with the Wranglers. Do you know if there was talk about maybe staying down there and having some more AHL action before returning to the NHL club? Yeah, uh, you, you can't. Um, they had to get a special permission from the commissioner of the NHL to extend his, uh, we'll call it a conditioning stint down there. And I think for compassionate reasons, the commissioner decided to extend it another two games. Now they burned one of those games cause he was hurt or he wanted to just, you know, be careful with a groin injury. And then he played that last one on Friday. So I, I don't think he could have gone back to the, uh, to the Wranglers 
without having to go through the waiver process. Um, so, so that's not an option. So, you know, he can stay practicing with the team. He can pull a Kucherov. He could stay on the roster right now. Yeah. The, the non-active roster and practice with this team from now until the playoffs. And, you know, but the league is very sensitive to that because of what Kucherov did when he was healthy, yet they said he was still injured, you know, that sort of thing. This is a little bit more of a gray area. I talked to Don Maloney about it because it's mental health. It's a little different. And, uh, you know, the league will be monitoring and checking in to make sure that this isn't milked for longer than it should be. And I don't mean to use the word milk at all, but, you know, at a certain point, if the guy is ready mentally to play, uh, you know, the league is going to want the team to act him, to activate him on the roster. So, uh, anyway, in terms of options, this is really the only one for him to stay on the non-roster and keep practicing with the team until he's ready to play in the big leagues. Uh, Eric Francis, the franchise, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Do you anticipate Jacob Markstrom to be a net tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, I say that just because he's ready. He feels he's ready. And, uh, I mean, the guy's one of the hottest goalies on the planet right now. And I don't say it in any way to throw shade on Dan Vladar because I thought he was outstanding in all three games that he played last week. I, he only got one win, uh, but with some bad luck involved in Saturday's loss, man. he I thought Dan Vladar – didn't you guys think he was outstanding? Oh. I mean, that's a – a better Dan Vladar than we've seen all year long, for sure. And Kron had the point yesterday saying that's probably the first time he's seen him put a full 60 minutes together where he's been fantastic. If that fluky goal doesn't go in, who knows uh, what that looks like for the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. Um, Want to get your uh, opinion on uh, th- that, that hole left by Pospisil on the Zeri and Kadri line. Who's the best fit for that spot, Eric? Oh, Coronado's best fit by a mile. Like this, you know, as soon as uh, that injury happened, I was thinking back to uh, conversations I had sitting with Conroy and Maloney in Vegas the previous week, and they're both saying, "Look, we're dying. We'd love to get Coronado back in the lineup, but we don't. We want him to be in the right spot, and that is the perfect spot for Coronado. You know, second line power play, be on a line where you can you can be a finisher. You can also help set up guys like Kadri. Like he's." He's a, um, you know, he creates chances. That's what he does, and that's a line that's designed to create chances. So I, he's in the perfect spot. Like, you could not name a better. You wouldn't want to disrupt that third line with Backlund and Coleman and Mangiapane. And, you know, I think even the first line's showing some pretty good signs of late, too. So, no, he's, he's in the right spot for sure. Mangiapane did miss practice yesterday. Any update, anything to be aware of there? They said it was just maintenance. Okay. Uh, I believe them. You know, I, you know, for sure. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's all. That's okay, all. perfect. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Adam Klapka. You know, with Dylan Dubé being away from the team for a little bit here, Pelche and Rooney still a little ways away. He's got a little bit of runway here to show what he can do on the fourth line. I know he didn't get to play a lot there in uh, Saturday's game, but you look at the opponents this week, maybe a little bit more opportunity for the big man. Yeah, I think so. I think you want to let him loose a little more against Columbus tonight, maybe. And, uh, you know, he led the game in hits. That's, that counts for something because really, that was really only his only assignment the other night. He only played six minutes, but he had four hits. And I thought he looked, he looked better than I expected him to look. And I, I'm not, not, not saying I don't think he's an NHLer, but you got to remember two years ago, this guy was back in the Czech Republic. He's been pretty raw. 
you know, they've had to shape and mold this guy into an NHLer or at least an AHL or a top AHLer for the last year and a half because he's he came in pretty raw, basically. And he's you know they love his his ability to be taught. Um, but you know, I, I thought it was a it was a neat moment. I mean, seeing his mom crying there, and I love the rookie lap. And I I, I think that uh, you're right. I think they want to give him more minutes. They want to give him more time to see what he can do. And uh, you know. He's perfect on that fourth line. You wouldn't want him on the, you know, playing in Pospisil's place or anything like that. So, uh, let's see. This this organization's done a good job with all their promotions this year. That's the fifth rookie lap we've seen this year, and in every situation they've given a guy yeah. a real good opportunity. And I thought it was interesting what Maloney had said to me last week. He said like, if we had brought Cotter Zeri up and he just played six to eight minutes on the fourth line. You know, he'd have been here for a week or two until our injuries cleared up. And then we would have sent him back down to the minors, and everyone would have said, no, he can't play. He's not an NHLer. But because they gave him a great opportunity, and he obviously capitalized on it, we have a totally different outlook on Connor Zeri and Martin Pospisil. And it affects the organization in such a significant way. Like, as Conroy's trying to figure out who he's going to trade, what he's going to trade for, knowing that Zari and Pospisil are everyday NHLers, changes the way you look at everything. So I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for putting guys in the right spots. Uh, Eric, i got to ask you, um, what's the latest kind of like feels quiet on the Noah Hannafin contract extension talks? Is there any news? Is things all of a sudden super quiet on that front? Do you have an update for us? Yeah, I, it, I, it, it, I don't have an update in terms of things progressing, but I, I'm still of the belief that it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and, and that's more of a gut feeling. I mean, I've certainly spoken to some people about it, but I, I, I just think at the end of the day, they really feel like this is a, still a, a guy that you can build around as opposed to send away to get parts for your build. Anyway, I, I, I no update, but I'm still quite optimistic it's going to happen. I wanted to ask you about uh, what you think Mark Savard's first year behind the Flames bench has been like. Uh, the last 11 games, they've scored a power play goal in six of them. It's a pretty good little stretch here. Uh, it felt like over the first half of the year, he was kind of trying to figure out where everybody fit, and now everybody's kind of fit into place, and now it's fine-tuning. What have you made of Mark Savard's first year working with this power play? Well, I mean, if you're judging him on the power play, then it's it's not worked out well. I mean, I like Mark. I think he's a great coach. I, But... <laughs> he kind of came here and hung his hat on the fact that he was like the power play whisperer and he was going to fix this thing and have it rivaling the Oilers one. And it's just not worked out. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of runway left, but uh, last I looked at one point, the power play was uh, amongst, well, it's certainly one of the, the poorest ones in the league. So we'll leave it at that. It's, you know, and Hey, you can blame the coach all you want, but there's enough talent on that ice where this team should be scoring a lot more regularly on the power play. So I don't pin it on, Mark Savard, I pin it on, you know, on the guys who just can't seem to uh, put the puck in the net. I do agree that it's been looking a lot better lately, and uh, those stats are, you know, those speak to that. Um, but but not just the fact that they're scoring more. They're getting some momentum off their power play where they're scoring way more, having way more chances. And, you know, they, coaches talk about this all the time. Even if you don't score, you at least have to kind of build some momentum because if you have a power play and you don't get many chances at all or any chances, uh, it kind of kills the bench as well. So uh, they're turning a corner, but uh, still work to be done. 
Uh, I know you got to run. Do you have anything that's irking you before we let you go? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I wrote something down on my phone. Sorry, boys. I uh, there was something bugging me. It's all right. Maybe I have a, I have a file. I have a file called Irk. <laughs> Just in the notes app. Yeah, love it. Very good. Okay. All right. Next time, no, then. It's you fine. know what? No, I, I got it. But it, it's it's kind of dated. But you know, as March breaks and spring breaks are coming up here for families. That it just drove me nuts because I was recently on a little vacation there. Ta- the towels on the on the uh, on the pool chairs. Mm. The, the people who get up at six a.m. at their resort <laughs> put their their towels and stick their claim on on four seats that they're hardly going to use all day at all, but they're going to eat them up so that nobody else can use them. That irks me. Mm. Is, can there be anybody in favor of this ridiculous system? No. Absolutely not. No. Should have chairs assigned to your room. Terrible. That's a great point, That's Rose. Not bad. That's not bad. There you go. Just yeah, I don't. I don't take out that. the chaos. I don't, I don't have a solution. Yeah, I don't have a solution. I just have uh, the anger. Mm. I like it. Uh, great job, Rose, on that. Um, Eric, thanks. I uh, also wanted to ask you. Uh, we talked about waiting in line for a drive-through, like waiting at least eight hours in a drive-through. What What would it take for you to do that? Eight hours. Yeah. But I guess once you get when you get in it and you're stuck, you can't. Who waited eight hours for what and how good? In and Out Burger. Peter's driving. In and Out Burger oh. in Iowa, Idaho. Well, what else are you gonna do in Idaho, right? <laughs> All right. You got nothing else to do. Okay. So Potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> Potato fries. Yeah, I guess. I don't All know. right. Boys. Tater tots. That's bro. ridiculous. All right, franchise. Great stuff. Thanks, pal. Talk to you have, soon. Have a good one. There he is, Eric Francis, uh, covers the Flames for Sportsnet, if you didn't know. And he also does the Eric Francis show with Pat Steinberg on Fridays mm. on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. That's this very same radio station on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, still, gut feel on Noah Hannafin. That's kind of like the under-the-radar thing. Yep. That could happen, maybe happen, might happen. Sure. It would be nice if it happened. Sure. But also, like, if it doesn't, it just means more intrigue for March 8th, baby. Is that a weekday? Do we work? What are we doing? Yeah, when is the exact deadline? Because it's coming up now, right? March 8th. Yeah. Is it a Friday again? It's a Friday again. Yeah. I like when they do it on a Friday. Kind of. You like like a Tuesday? We don't really get to discuss until Monday, which I kind of don't like. Like, we'll be out of here by 9 a.m. There probably will be, like, maybe a a couple of of deals. Maybe like one thing happens Thursday night that we can get into. Maybe yeah. a couple of you know, yeah. But recently, liners like for of, seventh pair defensemen. A lot of the bigger deals were happening before the deadline. The last True. couple of years, yeah. So maybe we'll see that. Maybe and the Flames got a lot of things to do. So maybe they try and knock something out earlier in the week. Yeah. So they can kind of just you know, tighten will, up that to do list a bit. They'll be in Florida, so they won't be around here. Florida. Oh, the, okay. The deadline. Not the worst place in the world. Nope. When they play. Oh, what, I forgot to ask him about the night before. I forgot yeah, Tampa have... on Thursday, uh, and then the Panthers on Saturday. You know, I forgot to ask him about Johnny Goudreau, but we'll save that uh, for like Thursday's show. Hmm. But not with Eric Francis, but just the yeah. discussion oh. about Johnny Goudreau oh. on Thursday's show. Um, straight ahead, Matt Marchese is the producer of the Jeff Merrick show on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. 
and he hosts the the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, he's a diehard Bills fan. I'm sure he's still in mourning. I'm sure he's still feeling it a little bit. Yes. So we'll talk to Maddie. Same about, old, same um, old, isn't it? Yeah, we'll talk to him about his Bills, and uh, we'll look around the NHL with him as well and ask him, hey, Ryan Reeves, you know, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Is he playing? Are the Leafs circumventing the salary cap once again? We can ask him all of those questions. We'll do that next. And at 8.30-ish, 8.45-ish, we'll have our locks of the day. Still lots to do in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.